Hi, I'm Angie, and I'm an alcoholic. Hi. The moment I weakness, I uh, when I, Linda invited me, I said, "Well, I'll come and do a workshop, and I don't have to speak because I get so tired of hearing my own voice." So I guess she wanted me to do both. I tried to get out of it several times, but she, you know, dynamite comes in little packages. <laughs> and I said I'd do a third-step workshop, and they put 11 steps there. But uh, it's Linda's fault. <laughs> not my fault. Not my fault. No, nothing else. It was my fault anyway. And uh, actually, the third-step workshop is for dummies like me, because everybody with half a brain would get it. <laughs> right? But when, they came, when I came into the Alcoholics Anonymous, they would say things like turn it over, or um, but they didn't say where or to whom. <laughs> and, uh, so I, I'm one of those that needs everything like spell it out. God, have you ever heard the one about God's will? I don't know what God's will and my will are. Sometimes they get mixed up together. And uh, I'm, only, I'm only happy when God's will and my will coincide. I don't like the answer when the answer is no. So in this workshop, um, it just came to me. It's just something that came to me. And I go through it uh, with the people that I sponsor, so they don't have any choice. They have to <laughs> listen to it. And I go to a recovery house and put this on every month, and they don't know nothing, so they think it's wonderful. Too, so still have to, I've, only made, I've done this for some uh, uh, women's uh, retreats, and I haven't gotten kicked out yet, but... Who knows what uh, they have to say after I leave. Oh, Jesus, did you get that one? So when, I, uh, when I got sober, they told me to read the uh, black parts of the big book and never mind the white parts. And uh, so when they weren't looking, I started looking at the white parts. And I discovered certain things. So anything that I read here, I hope some of you brought your big book. Because most of it comes out uh, of the, uh, the big book. The black parts too, the white parts belong to me. And uh, so I'm going to share a little bit of what I've discovered here, hoping that it'll help you, clarify to you, as it clarified to me, how to do this third step, how to get a connection and find a God of my very own that works. And I have found that here, and this is how it's begun for me. Uh, I don't know how they do the meetings here in Texas, but in California, we read Chapter 5 at, at all of our meetings. Do they do that here also? I know that some places they don't. And uh, we read up until when they say A, B, and C. Do they do that here? Okay, but as I understand, the, the A says that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives as being step one. And without that foundation step, none of the other ones can be taken because nothing else makes any sense. So I think that that's the first step, uh, and uh, the B is, is kind of a transition step. It says, B, that probably no human power could have relieved their alcoholism. And how I see that saying is that uh, I know I was the type of people, person that went around uh, asking how to do things like churches, people that looked like they knew how to do it. I wanted them to fix me. Here I am, fix me. And uh, I think that Bill wanted to take away from us the hope that somebody could fix us. It says that probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism, and that includes my power, no matter how hard I tried. And see, it says that God could and would if he were sought, but he doesn't say God could and would if he were found. I want to find God. I don't want to seek God. That sounds like too much work. So, uh, I want to find God. I don't know if you've heard of Chuck C., but Chuck C. used to say that the reason we can't find God is because he's not lost. 
<laughs> what does that mean? You know, all of these things, but what does that mean? Because I, I, I'm a dummy, I need to have things spelled out this way, dummy. And, uh, and something happens to me in the search. I change. If God were found, there wouldn't be no more search. And so therefore I would stagnate and die. Notice how everything has to be practiced on a continuous basis. Or else uh, uh, we have developed something called alcoholism. And then we get to have alcoholism again. <laughs> so I believe that something happens is in the search of God could and would if he were sought. And so in the next paragraph it says, being convinced, being convinced, what are the first two steps? It says, being convinced we were at step three, which is that we decided to turn our will and our life over to God as we understand him. It's something that nobody else can do. It's such a personal thing that I have to decide that this is what I want in my life. It says, just what do we mean by that and just what do we do? Oh, thank God they're going to explain it to Absolutely. <laughs> it says, the first requirement is that we be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. On that basis, we are almost always in collision with something or somebody, even though our motives are good. Are good. And I thought about that and I thought... That's how I can measure when I'm in self-will, when I'm in collision with something or somebody. I didn't know how to measure when I was in self-will. It's like when they're not doing it my way, it pisses me off. That's how I can know that I'm in self-will. So it's good to know to have that information. Now what? And, It says, most people try to live by self-propulsion. Each person is like the actor who wants to run the whole show. Notice it says, each person is like the actor. It doesn't say each person is like the director. No, it says, each person is like the actor. You know, it's the prima donna. Now, everybody do it this way, and we're all going to be happy. You know, this, is, this is the right way to do My My way or the highway. And... Um, Sometimes it was me that took the highway. It says, and he's forever trying to arrange the lights of ballet, the scenery, the rest of the players, his own way, if his arrangements would only stay put, if only people would do as they wished, the show would be great and life would be wonderful. Everybody, including himself, would be pleased. In trying to make this arrangement, our actor may sometimes be quite virtuous. He may be kind, considerate, patient, generous, even modest and self-sacrificing. You know we suck up to people when we want something from them. That's what it means. There's two kinds of people alcoholics have in their lives. Those they suck up to are those that they step on. I mean, I didn't know there was any other type of people. It says in the personal relationships in this book, it says later on, it's where we took the worst beating. So I never, uh, it says, on the other hand, you may be mean, egotistical, selfish, and dishonest, but as with most humans, he is more likely to have very traits. I always, um, I'm amazed people look at little kids and they throw themselves on the floor and throw tantrums and throw, says, that kid is going to be an alcoholic when he grows up. I don't think so. He's acting like he's supposed to do. We act like him. That's what emotionally immaturity means. Yeah, I identify with little kids that they want their own, their own way all the time. It says that what usually happens, the show doesn't come off very well. 
he begins to think life doesn't treat him well, and he decides to exert himself more. What it is is back to the drawing board. And he becomes on the next occasion still more demanding or gracious as a case may be. Yet we just try harder to get by our own way. Is there anybody identifying with that? Or am I the only dog here that does this kind of stuff? He says, still the play does not suit him. Admitting he may be somewhat at fault, he is sure other people are more to blame. Uh, he becomes angry, indignant, and self-pity. And we all know what anger is. We it's like having a rage inside of, and it becomes free-floating to anything or anybody because of the frustration of not being able to have life work. Indignant, how dare they, after all I do for them, and self-pity, what's the use? I think self-pity is an emotion that's so destructive for the alcoholic because we get to the place where I say, what's the use? What's the use if we either go, we either go out and drink or we want to kill ourselves? And it, gets, it happens over and over and over again. It goes on to say, what is his basic trouble? Is he not really a self-seeker even when trying to be kind? It's always like trying to get mine. Is he not a victim of the delusion that he can get the rest satisfaction, which is get satisfaction and happiness out of this world if he only manages well? Uh, delusion, that's a really key word here, because a delusion is an idea that's a lie, that's not true, that I think is the truth. And the delusion, delusion here is I can get satisfaction and happiness out of this world if I only manage well. And so uh, we uh, continue as frustration. And it says, is it not evident to all the rest of the people that these are the things he wants? That's what's so embarrassing when you know that somebody else can see it but you. So it's better that to keep your mouth shut. But if you're like me, it's almost like an impossible thing to do. And it says, and do not his actions make each of them which wish to retaliate, snatching all he can get out of the show? Is he not even in the best of moments a prof- uh, producer of confusion rather than harmony? And goes on to say, our ego is uh, actually is egocentric, uh, self-centered. I'm going to skip to the next paragraph here because it's Bill, what Bill I see, I see happening here is he's describing the, the problem. And I, for me, I have to have the problem, uh, identify with the problem so that I can know what it, what it is that I need help with because otherwise I'm just uh, a bunch of confusion and fear and I don't know where to start getting anything straightened out. So I'm glad that he spells it up here. And he goes on to say, selfishness and self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our problems. Because on page 64 it says, bowels were only a symptom. That we have to get down to causes and conditions. And so it says, selfishness and self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our problems, a fundamental problem, driven by a hundred forms of fear. Driven, it's like you can't help yourself. It's just pushed by a hundred forms of fear. What kind of fears do alcoholics have? Fear that we won't get something we want or fear that we're going to lose something we have. Those are the incredible fears that that, um, bear other side things like uh, hoarding, uh, insecurity, jealousy, uh, all these other defects of character stem from the driven by a hundred forms of fear. 
says, uh, it also says, driven by a hundred forms of, of self-delusion. So we are full of, you know, when we come into Alcoholics Anonymous, they say things like, we have to get rid of all our old ideas. I don't even know what an idea is. How can I get rid of it? You see, I just always just go. I always did when you're, when you're like I am and drank the way you did. You don't stop and think, is this a good idea or a bad idea? You just do it. Because it's there to do. And later on when the price is coming, but that's a bad idea. <laughs> so we have this self-delusion, you know, and then I think that this is the reason that we have to go to Alcoholics Anonymous meetings all the time. And that is because it's the only place where I ever go to get a reality check. Otherwise, I am my own reality check. Also, I have a sponsor. I have to have a sponsor. Because if I don't get have another person as my sponsor, guess who's my sponsor? And a dummy is my sponsor. I'm my own sponsor because I can give me many nifty ideas and call it the God's will for me. So one day, I don't know, Johnny Harris is my hero. And Johnny Harris says, you're your own sponsor and you talk directly to God. One day God's going to whisper, let's take a drink. And uh, so I, <laughs> because I'm my own sponsor, I cannot tell the difference between all those ideas in there, which am I. So I have to have reality checks and meetings, and a sponsor is where I get mine. It also says that we uh, are driven by a hundred forms of self-seeking and self-pity. Always trying to get mine. Always feeling like, got to scratch, got to make it happen, got to do all these things in order to get my share. It's okay if you can have your share, but please let me have mine first. It's okay. You can come first after me. And uh, so those are the the emotions that are underground, that don't don't ever want to tell anybody else that that's what they are. It says we step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Constantly get my feelings hurt. Whenever, that's another thing that I have learned is that if somebody hurts my feelings or makes me angry, I better head for the pencil and the paper because i got to find out what part of my ego is sticking out again, again. Okay, so, so our troubles we think are basically out of our own making. They arise out of ourselves. And the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot. He doesn't say it's just self-will run riot. Run, why, run, riot. <laughs> it says extreme. And though he usually doesn't think so. <laughs> self delusion here. Uh, about everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. In many meetings, I don't know how it is over here, but uh, the meetings in California are just sometimes any semblance to an alcoholic's anonymous meeting is purely coincidental. <laughs> <laughs> At least it was uh, from what the, the old timers that passed it on to me. And uh, you hear things like, this is a selfish program. I don't know what book they're reading. Because this one says, above everything, above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of selfishness. It goes on to say, why should I? It says, because it kills us. <laughs> we must throw it kills us. So this is not a selfish program. This is a program where I comply to myself, apply myself, and comply myself to fit into God's will, whatever that may be. Huh? And uh, so I, but I think what the people, and I heard my husband even say it the other day, I couldn't hardly believe it. He's been living with me a thousand years, and he said this is a selfish program. <laughs> I went and took my book out with my little purple lips and said. <laughs> 
what people are really saying is that this is a program where you work on self. Then let's say it. Let's say that. This is a program where we work on self. Because otherwise, other know-nothings like me hear it and they go with it. Don't have to do nothing. Don't have to take up the garbage today. Stop this program. Do it yourself. We're always looking for loopholes. You might kind of drunk you are. It says, uh, we must or it kills us and God makes it possible. Boy, by this time we have better be on first name basis with God. You know, I don't know how you are uh, when the word God comes out. Probably good because you all look like Sunday school teachers. <laughs> I, I always look like what I was. Uh, and, uh, I was a little mad at God. First of all, just before I came here, I wanted to get a monsignor to give me an annulment for my marriage. And he wouldn't do it, and I told him I was going to bomb his church. So he threw me out, and so I didn't, wasn't very, very happy with God and his monsignor. And, but they, they told me that it doesn't matter what I call God, that all I had to do was talk to him. He'd like to hear from strangers. And, um, <laughs> They said, just make one up, to whom it may concern, pray them more, to whom it may concern, or just in case there's somebody there, keep me sober today. And that's how I started believing in a God of my very own. And, uh, and if it doesn't work for you, then make one up. I ever said, what would you, what would you think a God would be? Just make one up, he don't care. The important thing that we start out on that road, he will disclose himself down the road. It says, uh, and there often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. It says, many of us had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we could not live up to them. Most of us went to churches. I've been sprinkled dunk, thrown flowers at, asked if you want to be saved, all those stuff, and everything works until you get home. Then it gets unworked. I don't know what I Missed something along the way there. It says, Neither could we reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on our own power. Notice how it doesn't say we have to get rid of self-centeredness. It says we have to reduce it. Have to get rid of selfishness. I guess it's possible that if there's one piece of pie and there's two of us, it's possible for me to say, Here, you have it. I mean, it may not mean it, but I could say that. <laughs> I do it so I don't know, so I learn not to be selfish. But it says, it says here we have to reduce. It's kind of like, I thought about that. I thought, the reason I think, this is my, my interpretation, is that self-centeredness is grounded in self-preservation. And it's all uh, just impossible to get rid of that. the first instinct that God put in the very core of all his living things is self-preservation. But it's been like uh, um, herniated or blown up like a balloon and it has to be reduced into its right perspective. It says, neither could we reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing on our own power we had to have God's help. By this time, Bill has explained all the facets of our psyche disease. Not the allergy of the body, coupled with an obsession of the mind, which he dealt with in the, in the first step. But now we're getting to the, to the changing of the mind and the soul. Because that is, it talks about that in the page, bottom of page 64. 
it says, uh, for we have been not only mentally and physically ill, we have been spiritually sick. When the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. And uh, this is the part where I say, you know, uh, uh, there's a lot of stuff coming into Alcoholics Anonymous today that, that is uh, incidental, like uh, I'm an alcoholic and something else. Uh, yeah, and you're like me, I spent all my life being different, feeling different. Here they told me, come in and just be like everybody else. Just get drunk. It doesn't matter what else is wrong with you. You know, we could be called Plenty Wrong Anonymous because they're plenty wrong with us. <laughs> so it really doesn't matter. As long as alcoholism is our problem, then we can have all kinds of aberrations and belong to our aberrations anonymous also. You know, it's just a whole... So let's just try to just be one of, of anybody else. Uh, this is just where we have to have God's help. So now we come to, to the part where we're going to say, I've taken a good look at me and there's plenty wrong with me. So how do I get from knowing there's plenty wrong with me and getting into the Father's house? In the bottom of page 62 is, to me, the third step, where it says, this is the how and the why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. Why? Because it didn't work. If it worked, we wouldn't try to fix it. So, but I've been trying to fix it because I, it wasn't working, whatever it was. It says that next we decided that hereafter, in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. What is our director? Somebody that points the way. And you know, I'm not a scared, never been a scared of what's going to happen in the next half hour. It's always next week and next month, and certainly in five years, impending doom is going to catch up with me. So he said, nobody, God doesn't come at night and write it in the wall and say, this is your directions for the day. But somehow or another, I know, like, you knew yesterday that you were going to get here. Now you know when after everything this is over, you're going to know what to do next. That isn't scary to the likes of me. It's next week and next month. I want to have a guarantee, thank God. And uh, some jerk um, pointed it out to me that God was taking care of me when I was drinking. And God was taking care of me today. What makes me think he's not going to take care of me next month? It's so simple, I almost missed it. I said, but I want to make a flat guarantee. The only way you can, I can have a flat guarantee is looking back. He said, oh, jeez, look how close I was to that stuff. I know that all of us are part of this miracle that is always anonymous and safe. But there are parts that they will never be totally safe in. Because we're human beings, we live, we have to live here where everybody else is. Okay, it says, we decided that hereafter, in the drama of life, God was going to be our director. If he is my director, that means my life is not my business wherever it goes. Because he directs it. Does that mean my husband's life is none of my business? That's right. How about my children's life? That's right. Well, then what is my business? My business is to be about my father's business. And it's going to be shown to you, to me right here. It says, he is a principal and we are his agents. Well, what does that mean? The principal in high school is the head man, isn't he? And we are the agents. That means God, God ain't got no arms but my arms. 
So the, the, whoever I hug, I have to hug in God's name. Whoever I can kind to, I do it in God's name. Of course, I'm doing it for him. I'm not doing it for them. Because when I do it for them, what happens? I expect something back. At least thank you. And if they don't say thank you, you know what I think? I'll get them. I'll get them. So I'm, I'm, I'm saving mine. But it doesn't happen the way if I do it for God. Say, Did you see that? Huh? Did you see that? <laughs> he is the father and we are... He, the, he is the principal and we are his agents. So I go in my father's name. I mean, I heard this in the Bible all the time. It sounded so hokey. And here they're saying that in Alcoholics Anonymous for the fallen women like me, this is not a concept. <laughs> but the one that I like is the one that says, and he is a father, right? Did you say something? It says, he is a father and we are his children. Isn't that a, a concept? My father, I don't know how you guys are, but I never had a daddy. Not that I, I wanted a daddy that loved me, that cared about me, that I could go to and know that there was going to be love and strength. And somebody says, what would a, what would a loving father be? What would a father be? And I started imagining what a loving father would be. Because that's God. Chuck C. used to say, God loved the birds so much that they could fly thousands of miles away. And when it was their time to go home, they knew exactly when to turn around and where to go. How did the birds know how to get back there? And God made the fishes. Fishes could swim thousands of miles out to sea. And when it was their time to go home, they knew when to turn around and go home. How did they know that? Do they have any signs under the ocean? Is this the way to Seattle? <laughs> I mean, everybody knows which is his home to go back to when his time is over. And uh, there, there's little butterflies, the monarch butterflies. They're from the East Coast. They, all, they go all the way to Mexico. Little tiny little guys. You know, and how do they know how to fly? How do they get the energy? to fly so far and how do they know how to get home does God love the birds more than he loves you and me does God love the fishes more than he loves us or the butterflies but he has loved us so much that he uh, put alcoholics anonymous here for us to find our way home to him isn't that a wonderful wonderful when that hit me, it just blew me away. How could I not believe when I know from where I came from and what happens here? So uh, uh, he said, he is a father, and we are his children. Most good ideas are simple, and this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which we pass, pass through freedom. We are building an arch to pass to freedom, and this is the keystone. You know what the keystone is? The keystone is a flower. You can't make the cake without flour, or, or some variation thereof. And so it is the fundamental thing of this program without this third step. The rest of them are so much hidden mess like I did. But uh, they told me how to measure 
when I was in Southfield, remember I'm in collision with everything and everybody and ideas and bosses and jobs and Clinton and gold and, and you know, you know, we just to go on at him for night and was pissing me off all the time. But, so uh I can tell when, when I'm when I'm in my will. That's it, that's my will. But how can I tell when it's when I'm doing in God's will? Well, they tell me about it in the, in the top of page 63, where it says, When we sincerely took such a position, what position was that? That God was the director, he was a principal, and he was my father. And I was his agent, and I was his child. It says, When we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. What's a remarkable thing? Something you say, Well, I'll be darned. Well, she left out and struck this meal. That wasn't there before. It's, we're going to feel something different. Something's going to be happening in your life and mine that's going to know that it's a remarkable thing. It says, we had a new employer being all-powerful. He provided what we needed. If. Why do they always have to have some fine friends? Yes. He says, he provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. How do we keep close to God? We talk to God. I talk to God all the time. Talk, talk, talk to God all the time. It's called prayer. I just talk. And meditation. What's meditation? Listening. I don't listen too good, but sometimes, you know, you can always tell. I can always tell when I'm meditating. You go right along, I don't know, fat, dumb, and ugly, doing whatever you're doing. All of a sudden, something hits you. A song, a word, a memory. And you stop and you think about it. And you think about it. And you let it take you. And it changes. It changes me. Because I'm one of those that I couldn't see, but now I can see. Chuck C. used to also, I quote him a lot because he, he was such a spiritual person. When he wasn't wanting to grab boobs, he liked grabbing boobs too. And um, we went on tape also. I just in the big meeting in the sky, looking down, laughing anyway. <laughs> huh? That's a lot of them work. <laughs> <Arr>. <laughs> he provided what we needed. We kept close to him and performed his work well. Okay, um, so when we meditate, we think. We think about nifty stuff, or whatever it seems to be nifty. What does love mean? What does acceptance mean? What does God's will mean? You know, just take it until it takes you. It'll take you whenever it takes you. And perform his work well. Well, you know if work is work. I don't know how you are, but I don't like work. And so, what is God's work? God's work is in the top of page 77. I, I hope you, you remember some of this uh, whenever you need it. It says, our real purpose. It says, our real purpose. It doesn't say, um, the only purpose sober. It says, no, it's the only purpose in our lives. It says, that our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. So, that's what we're about. Is to fit ourselves. Does that mean light, sheet, and steel? Get even? Uh, it doesn't. It means does. It means I have to give up all the stuff I like. Yeah, it just. <laughs> yeah, that's how I thought about it too. 
is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to the God and the people about us. And again, any time that I uh, can do anything for anybody else, I try to do it. But I don't do it for them because I'll expect them something back. I just do it for God. I just do it. I'm doing this for you. Be amazed at the stuff that we can do if we don't do it for people. Maybe do it for a higher power. Out of the gratitude of that, uh, the gates of hell were open. And uh, maybe we didn't, we're not going to get to heaven because we're good people, but we sure will get there back and away from hell. Um, I had a lady say once that uh, she was reading the steps. She was in a recovery house, so she didn't know nothing. And I'll tell you what she knew about. She read the steps and she says, The power is over alcohol, and my life had become unbearable. I said, out of the mouth of babes. <laughs> in the, it says, uh, in the middle of page 85, it has the prayer, the alcoholic prayer and interaction. It says, every day is a day when we must keep the vision of God's will into all our activities. The prayer has to be, how can I best serve thee? No, Thy will, not mine, be done. We are, I don't know how you are about God's will, but I always want to know what God's will is. Well, here it is. How can I best serve you? It's like service to my higher power. Dedicate all, any service. Uh, you can do great things if you don't care who takes the credit for it. See? So they say, as long as I dedicate this, it hasn't been lost on me. How God has graced me with uh, so much. Grace my life. And my job is to just dedicate it back to him. It says, uh, these are thoughts which must go with us constantly. Constantly, I guess, means every day without any time out for bad behavior. Because then you got to make amends. And everybody knows that those aren't fun. It says, these are thoughts which must, which must go with us constantly. We can exercise our willpower along this line. All we wish is the proper use of the will. I'm going back to page 63. And so that's where he says he provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. Says, established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. More and more we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. That's what's happening to selfishness and self-centeredness. We can't get rid of it. I can't get rid of it. But if I do it, it's like going through something through the flank. If I could do this other stuff somehow or another, these things are is what's happening to me, to me. As we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind. God, what a blessing just a peace of mind to have all the wheels stop. As we discovered we could face life successfully. Life was going to feel successful instead of always playing catch-up. As we became conscious of His presence, see, we don't, there's nothing that, we, that, he, that I have to do or that we have to do to feel God. He will re- reveal Himself to us. We became conscious of His presence. We began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter. We were reborn. And that is how I have seen the third step in this book in such a way that's been workable for me. We have some time, and if anybody wants to ask questions or come and make a comment, feel free to.
This is uh, the third step meditation, and I, I have uh, uh, put it together. So if you want to throw tomatoes, wait until I'm gone and mess up my hair and forgot my comb. Uh, get comfortable and kind of don't cr- uncross your legs and your arms. Just get real loose and take a deep breath. Close your eyes and take a deep breath. Let it all out. I'll give you a couple of seconds to get comfortable. It'd probably be more comfortable in a chair than, than like that because you're just going to fall asleep there on your hands. So is everybody all relaxed now? Just kind of move around. Just shake it out. I want you to close your eyes now. Take another deep breath. Become aware of the sounds in the room. Feel your clothing against your skin. And the fullness of your breath as you take another deep breath all the way down to your toes. As as you exhale, let all tension go. Take another deep breath, feeling that good oxygen, cleaning out all your fear, any negative feelings that you may harbor. Let it put them aside for a little while. And exhale, blowing it all out in ether, all your inner voices. As you take another deep breath, feel this breath of God moving through you without any resistance. Let it breathe on me. Let it breathe on me. Let the breath of the Lord now breathe on me. As you exhale, feel your oneness with your higher power. Again, take another deep breath, feeling your higher power moving through you. Exhale completely at one with your higher power. Now let yourself see yourself sitting in a chair under a waterfall of light, of many color lights. See the light as tiny drops of many colors flowing in and through you. Feel the light moving through your body. As you exhale, see the light moving out through your nose. through your mouth. See the light moving inside of you. Experience your body healing as the light moves into every cell of your body. Experiences light of God moving through you. Look at this light with your inner eye as it heals your body, as it moves through your heart. Let your mouth open and breathe out the light into the whole world. 
See the light coming out of your nose, your mouth, and your eyes. Bless in the area around you. See the same light moving out into the whole world, blessing everything it touches. See a part of yourself moving out with this light as it heals all pain, as it comforts all loneliness, as it removes all fear. Now see this light of God as a sphere, a ball of light around you. Become one with this light. Feel the power of this light. What does it feel like? What does it look like? Now turn your attention to your loved one and send the light to your beloved. Just stretch out your hand and see this light moving out of you as a beam of love. Do this with someone else and another and another and another. Cover all your loved ones even your enemies with this light. And pray with me. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and do with me as I will. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power thy love and thy way of life. May I do your will always. Always remember this power you have tapped that all you have to do is close your eyes and see the light of God surrounding you. We got time. I can't believe I got over it quicker than I thought. (laughs) Angie, thank you.